So you guys, last week, for those of you guys that were here, Steve did an awesome job teaching a very hard section of scripture. He did awesome. And I told him, we talked a lot about it because he kind of wanted to skip that part. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, and he's like, you're being self-centered. And I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) Here's one of the big reasons why I was really stoked that he was teaching this section because really it wasn't planned, right? We don't, I'm not that smart. I can't plan these things. And so what's cool about this is this. You guys, sometimes there are certain sections of scripture that are easier to hear from someone that's been around the, around the sun a few more times, if you know what I'm saying, right? So you're saying I'm old. I'm saying you're old, yes. <laughs> you're wise, yeah. I've got gray hair, but your gray hair comes with, you know, a few more years, a few more wrinkles, friend. <laughs> you're like, oh, wow, I'm super insulted. no. You guys, Steve did awesome in this very tough section of verse 14 through 16, and, and we need to be aware, and the reason I'm kind of hitting this part hard is because what we're going to read today is just a continuation of this thought, right? This was a break that we took in the middle of a thought, but, but really the way Paul wrote it, it's just a continuation of that thought. So what did we learn last week? We learned some hard things. Bless those who curse you. Yay! Amen. You get punched in the face, turn your cheek and be like, all right. What else you got? Hard to hear, isn't it? And not just, that's actually easier than blessing those who curse you, isn't it? Because if they're cursing you out and they're swearing in your face, what is your gut reaction? I'll tell you what my gut reaction is because this is how I grew up. I'll tell you how I was taught. You pound their face in until someone pulls you off. That's how I was taught. Just being real. That is not what God says. It's the polar opposite, man. He's like, bless them. If they're cursing you, bring them a donut. I listened to the message. I like that. I I was like, ooh, check. I like that one. Here's your coffee. Get out of my effing office. Yeah, man, it's extra special today. <laughs> then they're going to be like, did you poison it or did you mean that? Which one? <laughs> and then they'll drink it and realize that you meant it in good. We learned that we're supposed to be of the same mind towards one another. Not thinking, you guys, that we're all that in a bag of chips and everyone else is a little bit more stupid than we are. Hmm. Isn't that also the way we are? Yeah. <sighs> I'm glad he taught this. I'm just telling you. And you know, God challenges us in this section of scripture to a better way of life, you guys. But can I tell you something else it is? It's a more difficult way of life, isn't it? It rails against your flesh to bless people when they're cursing you. It rails against your flesh to be of the same mind towards one another when in fact you might even have the better idea in the moment. Or you might actually have a better thought here. And I, I need us to understand this. When it says be of the same mind towards each other, it doesn't mean when you're out in the world, be like the world. That's not at all what he's saying. What he's saying is within the church body is what he's talking about here. Specifically, he's saying we should be of the same mind. Do you know why too many people out in the world don't really pay much attention to Jesus? It's because his people are too busy arguing over stupid points of doctrine that don't really matter at the end of the day. Now, do I... Am, <laughs> See, these are all the caveats you got to add when you say things like that. I'm like, here's a bombshell. Now let me fix the bomb. Is doctrine important? Absolutely, it's important. But 
whether you're a Calvinist or whether you're an Arminianist is not going to get you to heaven. Jesus Christ gets you to heaven. That's what I'm trying to say. The church for too long has been like, I am the, I'm right. I'm right. And the next person's like, no, you're not. And the people on the outside are looking in and being like, you guys are, what, what's the deal here? Right? I can go to the bar and we can argue over what beer we're drinking, but we're all drinking a beer and we're all in agreement together. Guys, as a church, guess what we should be in agreement on? Christ. Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. That's the point, you guys. Do I have doctrinal thoughts? Yes, I do. Hard fought and long thought out. Am I going to fight with you over mine, over yours? Probably not. Am I going to fight with you if you tell me there's another way other than Jesus? Absolutely. Because I love you enough to tell you that's wrong. There's no other way to, Christ, no other way to heaven except through Christ. That's the point. So be of the same mind with one another. God challenges us to this more, this better way that's more difficult because it bumps up against our flesh. And today, we're going to keep talking that through. We're going to continue this thought. We're going to keep digging through this way of thinking. And so let's, let's do that. Verse 17 of chapter 12 in Romans says this. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Oh, you guys. If you are here today and you're following Christ and you're following Jesus, you're a Jesus believer, you're, you're in relationship with Jesus Christ, can I tell you something? This is a call for you. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. We're called to live just like him, aren't we? Now, if you're here today, you, you don't know Jesus yet. Can I just tell you? You're living however you want to. And to be perfectly honest, give it a whirl <laughs> if that's what you want to do. I did. Go try it. I can tell you where it ended for me. It ended for me with a knife to my wrist. It ended for me whenever I was like, man, this sucks and I don't want to be here anymore. That's where it ended for me. Right? No drug was going to fix it. No amount of sex was going to fix it. Nothing was going to fix it. Only Jesus. But the reality is, you guys, for every Christian, we're called to live just like him. And that means that we're not going to return evil with evil. Can we remember, you guys, first off, that God loves every human? Every human. Put in your mind that person at work that you just cannot stand. God loves them. Put in your mind that crazy uncle, or let's go a little deeper. Put in mind that person that sexually abused you. Put in your mind that person that did you wrong so horribly that it took years and years and years, and maybe even still, you're still struggling through it. God loves them too. There's weight to this verse. It's not an easy thing. There's not one person on earth, you guys, that God does not desire come into relationship with him. Not one person. Adolf Hitler, while he was alive, God desired to bring him into relationship with him. Think that through. 
Now it's our choice. And from what we've observed, I don't know that Adolf Hitler made that choice. Seems doubtful. But it was available to him right up until his last breath. You guys, can I just stop us just for a second? You guys realize that the church is to be the visible, tangible view of the power of God to humanity. The church. And by the way, this building is not the church. We are the church. We are the church. This, this building is just a place we come and meet once a week. Or if you're really spiritual, multiple times a week. <laughs> But the reality is, you guys, is that, man, this, we are the church and we are to be the visible, tangible power of God lived out. Not in our own power, but only through the power of God in our own lives, right? You guys, stop for a second and think about this. When we are his church and we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, do you guys realize what we're showing to the people around us? when we're not repaying evil for evil, do you understand that we are showing God's grace to others? That we're being used to show the mercy of God to others. That we're walking, as we walk in the Holy Spirit towards others, even in the midst of their cursing us, even in the midst of them being very just annoying. I mean, I don't know, y'all. Listen, as a Christian, I've seen a few things. And I could not necessarily put my thumb on all of them, right? I couldn't take them to court and get them in trouble for it. But I can tell you this, while I was in the military, I was spitefully sometimes put on Sunday morning. Why? Because they knew I went to church and they knew I wasn't, they, that I wanted to be there for church. And so they would put me on shifts. Did I work those shifts? Heck yes, I did. Did I do it to the glory of God? I did my best. I wish I could be like, I was the bastion of spiritual walk. no. Did I complain about them behind their back? Yep. I shouldn't have. Do you get what I'm getting at? What about the times, you guys, whenever we have people that are just spiteful to us because they know we're Christians? I've literally had people come to me and just cuss extra. Just use foul language in front of me more, and it cracks me up because I'm like, bro, you guys are such weaklings. Before I knew Lord, man, I could have totally swore you under the table. You want a drink? We can do that next. I'll drink you under the table. Not now, because I haven't drank it so long. Wouldn't be good. You get my point, though, you guys? People, like, sometimes will just do stupid things because you're a Christian. So they're like, oh, watch this. <laughs> What's your flesh? Your flesh is to be like, <laughs> what does God tell us to do? Bless them. Love them. Be merciful to them. Realize that they're, they don't know what they're doing. And the only thing they can do right now is act like they act because they're in the world. You've been called to something harder, to something more. You guys, we get to show God's love to those around us. I want that to sink in. Because far too often, if you're anything like me, and God has changed this in me a ton, you guys. Because like I told you, how I was raised was, you don't let someone ever gain an inch on you because you will take a freaking mile from them first. I'm not kidding when I tell you. I got into a lot, man, I was spent more time suspended from school than I was in school, in high school. Why? Because if someone even mildly put their finger in my chest, I pounded their face in. 
It wasn't until I was 16 that everything began to change in me. Did that happen overnight? No. But why did I do that? Because my family was poor and we were just raised that you don't give anybody any opportunity to do anything against you. You take advantage of it and you pound them. Why did I get so sarcastic? Because I got good at ripping people to shreds with my words. I'm not proud of any of this, you guys. I'm just telling you how it was. God had a lot of work to do in me. He still does. He still does. What's on the tip of my tongue out in the world whenever someone starts mocking something I'm doing? What's on the tip of my tongue? My little sword is going to shred you to pieces with my words. That's what's on the tip of my tongue. What comes out sometimes? I'll tell you. Sometimes I begin to say something, and then I turn it into something even weirder, which they don't know what to do with, and I'll be like, and then they're like, what is your deal? And I'm like, yeah, there's more where that came from. (laughs) 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 Am I alone here? (laughs) You guys, far too often we take the easier path. We walk just like the rest of the world. We return evil for evil. We mouth off words that we know are going to hurt them because they just hurt us. We don't talk to them for a week because we know deep, deep down that you not talking to them somehow hurts them. Can I just give you a hint, though, about that one for me? It gives me more opportunity to talk, so that never bothered me. I never caught on to that. When people were talking, I'm like, sweet, I guess you want me to talk more. And it took like two weeks, and then I finally was like, what's wrong with you? You guys, the way the world lives doesn't require much of us. It's not hard. It's wired into us. Why is the world so good at sarcasm? Because it's wired into us. Why is the world so, so good at ripping each other down? Because that's what's wired into us. That's our sin nature. That's, that's the standard we're all walking in every day from the day we're born. The standard God lays out for us is something that can only be accomplished in the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There's a difference there, and there should look, it should look different to the world around us. So if you're here today and you're like, man, whatever, this is all crap. Well, listen, can I just tell you something? To you, it is crap. The Bible actually tells us that, right? To those that are perishing, the word of God is foolishness. That's what the Bible tells us. And so the truth is, you guys, until the Holy Spirit comes, until you accept the fact that there's something greater in this world than you, and you realize you're not your own God, then you're going to just be like this. Church, what are we showing the world around us? What does it show the world around us when we act like that? It shows them nothing. The world is used to and expects to see what they see and do all the time. What does the world show? The world shows the power of humanity. And what is the power of humanity, you guys? The world is great. Humanity is great at cutting one another down, aren't we? I'm better than you. Do you know how? Let me tell you. Oh, and by the way, if I'm trying to get a leg up at work, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to tell all of the other people in charge, but not you. We're great at that, talking behind each other's backs. We're phenomenal at cutting each other down. We're awesome at living vindictively in anger. Aren't we? And let's not be here as Christians and be like, I know those poor unknowing plebs, those 
poor heathens. You guys, it's in us too. The only difference between them being the world and us is that we have the Holy Spirit residing in us. That's changing us day by day by day, but let's not get too high on our horse because we still are a long way away from looking perfect and looking like Jesus. We have a long way to go. We live in a world right now, you guys, the world's showing us, man. You know what the world shows? The world shows us how we should be looking for a reason to be offended. Am I wrong? Isn't it very easy to see that that's exactly what the world's doing? We live in a cancel culture. It's easy. This is easy stuff, you guys. If you live this way and you call yourself a Christian, can I tell you something? You are not courageous. You are not a warrior. You're just like the rest of the world. We're called to something harder. We're called to something greater. We're called to actually go out into this world and be peculiar. Show them something different. Show the world around us what it is to live for Christ. To walk like Jesus. And you will never accomplish that on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Can I tell you what my prayer is for us as a church for Great Bay? My prayer is that we live differently. That we wake up to realize just how much God wants and desires for our lives to be different. That we wake up so that we can go outside and wake up the dead. To show them, man, this world is dying. And right now you're a zombie like the rest of the world. You're just like... Pornography, drugs, pride, more money. And we're like, dude, wake up. Come out of it. All that's not worth anything. All of that leads to one dead end hell. The only way out of that is through Jesus Christ. Now, we need to dig into the second part of this verse. We may get through this section. We'll see. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. What does it mean? You guys, doesn't it beg the question, what is good? Have regard for good. What is good? One thing that I think is worth saying here is this. Humanity, you guys, will never be able to define good. Do you believe that? Do you know why humanity will never be able to define good? Think about 20 years ago, if, for those of you guys that are old enough. 20 years ago is what, or should I say, what was what was considered good 20 years ago? Most of it considered good now? No, it's changed drastically. What was considered good 20 years ago is no longer considered good now a lot, in a lot of ways. Let's go one other step. What used to be considered good, especially down south before the Civil War, is rightfully not considered good anymore. It was good to have slaves. That was their proper place. That is not right. That is nowhere in Scripture. Nowhere. 
And if you guys are like, pastor, but there's slavery in the Bible. Yes, there is. And guess what? It's never condoned, ever. And also, by the way, the slavery, especially amongst the Jews, was very drastically different. They worked for six years because they chose to, and then they were, get, they were released on the seventh year. So it was a drastically different world. The only time we see nasty slavery is, you know, the, the Israelites in Egypt. And guess what was happening? They were getting whipped and hurt and everything like that. And so what did God do? Set them free. So what was considered good before the Civil War is no longer considered good. And why do I say that? Because humanity cannot figure out what good is. God can define what good is. He's the only one. Why? Because God is good. I'm going to say that again. The only reason that only person that can ever define what good is, is God, is because God is good. And you might think, yeah, I know he's good. No, you're not getting what I'm getting at. God is the very definition of good. He is, if you looked up good, it should say God. He is good. He is love. He is justice. And if you actually get your head around the fact that you are not your own God, like many people think they are, and you get outside of that, because if you're God, then you get to define good. And I promise you, your good will definitely bump up against a lot of other people. Because you know what would be great for me? Pancakes every morning with pure maple syrup and no weight gain. And for my brothers and sisters here that are, you know, gluten intolerant, they'd be like, no, that is not good. I don't want your stupid pancakes. And I'd be like, well, too bad. That's good. <laughs> you get my point? We can't define good. God is good. A.W. Tozer has this quote. It's pretty lengthy, but follow this. I, I Man, if you guys have never read Tozer, by the way, for those of you that I've promised a book to, they're in. I'm getting them this week. The Knowledge of the Holy. This is a Tozer quote from that book, Knowledge of the Holy. It says this, that God is good is taught or implied on every page of the Bible and must be received as an article of faith as impregnable as the throne of God. It is a foundation stone for all sound thought about God and is necessary, get this, to moral sanity. Look at the world around us. We are morally insane. To allow that God could be other than good is to deny the validity of all thought and end in the negation of every moral judgment. If God is not good, then there can be no distinction between kindness and cruelty. And heaven can be hell and hell heaven. You guys, it is that vital that we get our head around this. So what is Paul getting at when he says, have regard for good things in the sight of all men? Well, you guys, it is the goodness of God that brought about our initial creation. God created. He created everything. He created it all. And you know what he said about it all? It's good. He declared it good. Can I tell you what else God did? It was also his goodness that took Jesus to the cross to die for us. That was God's goodness. Why? And by the way, he knew that before he even bothered creating that this was how this was going to go. God's omniscient. He knows everything. It was God's goodness that created in spite of the fact that he knew we were going to jack it up. 
It was God's goodness that sent himself up to the cross to die for us so that we could come back into right relationship with him. All of that was God's goodness. How much good is all around us? A lot, man. There's a lot of good around us. And I need us to hear this because what we define as good is, and I want us to think about this. I got two people that I'm going to talk about. First one, Mother Teresa. Everybody knows that name, right? What made Mother Teresa so good? You guys know the story of Mother Teresa? It wasn't that she was a nun in the Catholic Church. It had nothing to do with that. As a matter of fact, she went rogue sort of from the Catholic Church. She was kind of a wackadoodle in comparison to where they're at. What did she do? She went to Calcutta. You know what she did? She brought in everybody that was literally in the throes of death, horrible, horrific death. And she gave them a place to die with dignity. She wasn't really, I mean, yeah, she was trying to make them comfortable, but you got to understand the people that she dealt with in Calcutta were not going to be made better outside of of a miracle of the Lord. They were there to die. Mother Teresa went there. She walked with them through the end of their lives, and she did that over and over and over again. And now we look at her and we're like, man, she was a good woman. Was she? No, not really. She was human. She did human things. I got to meet a guy named Shane Claiborne who wrote a book. Uh, We met him at Messiah College. He came and spoke, and I went up and talked with him after for a little bit. But he went and made all these phone calls to get over to Mother Teresa because he wanted to go over there when he was in college. And he finally made it over. He ended up getting in touch with her. (laughs) And he picked up the phone, and he's like, hey, uh, I need to talk to Mother Teresa. And the connection was kind of bad. And he's on like a pay phone in uh, Philadelphia College of the Bible. And, And if you guys have ever read his book, he's a freak. He wears like, yeah. Anyway, burlap clothes, and he's, he's weird. I like him. But he was on the phone, and, and, and all of a sudden, this lady picks up, and she's like, yeah, what do you want? And he's like, oh, I'm trying to talk to Mother Teresa. She's like, speaking, what do you need? And he was like, uh, can I come over? And she's like, you got money for a plane ticket? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, good, get over here. Click. <laughs> and so he came. And he walked in, and he was like, hi, I'm the guy. And she's like, yeah, here, take this. Go over to that guy. He needs a bandage. That was Mother Teresa, according to him. I never met the woman. But he's like, man, she was rough around the edges, big time. She was, like, not worried about you and who you were. She gave two craps about whoever was in the door. What she cared about was, are we caring for these people? Are we letting them die with dignity? Are we covering up the leprous wounds so that they, have to, they don't have to show that they have a stump instead of an arm because the rat ate it last night? God used her life in a mighty way. God wants to use our lives in a mighty way. Maybe not that way. But do you understand, Christians, we have a call to something harder and something better. Let's talk about somebody else. You guys ever hear of Corey Ten Boom? Corey Ten Boom was part of a family of Christians, Dutch Uh, reformed Christians, right, that lived, and she and her family, right, her and her sister mainly, uh, they hid a bunch of Jews during the Nazi regime until somebody turned them in, their neighbor, turned them in. And you know what's crazy? The whole family ended up getting arrested. They all got sent to to, uh, concentration camps. And the reality is, is that through uh, that network that they were a part of, because essentially, you guys, it was kind of like the Underground Railroad, 
essentially. And so they had this whole network of houses and places to hide and all these things. They found out that the Jews that were actually in the home, in the home whenever they got arrested, they never found them. And so they actually had escaped. And she was so ecstatic and happy. And they were, if you ever read her book, it's, it's hard to read. But they were praying and thanking God that they got out while they were sitting in squalor and knowing that they were probably not going to make it. Her dad died about seven days after they arrived. She watched her sister starve to death. After her sister died, for some random reason, you guys, they let her go. And later on, she found out that it was actually an error on the Nazis' part because they were lining up the list of all of the women of her age group within her age group that they were sending to the gas chamber. And for whatever reason, they thought, oh, she's older than she was, and they let her go. So she got out by God's grace to tell this story because a week later, all of the people in her age bracket went to the gas chamber and died. Here's the craziest part. She went around, and Corey Ten Boom is well, well known, clear up to her death for going around, even, you guys, even after she had a stroke and couldn't speak anymore, she kept talking to people about it through writing. She would just continue to speak about God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's mercy in the lives of others. And it was one day, and you guys maybe know this story, but there was one day when Corey was speaking about all over the world at that time about forgiveness, and she was in Germany. And she was speaking, and at the end of the talk, People were all broken, and they were just walking out from Germany, you guys. Germany. Think about it. These Germans were just broken. And so they're all walking out, and this one guy was coming forward through the tide, walking forward. And she looked at them, at him, and in the book she says that she saw him coming up, and immediately she saw this old man in a coat and everything like that. But you know what she saw? In a split second, she saw a skull and crossbones and the hat and the... And the uniform of the Nazi coming towards her because that was one of the guards in her camp. Specifically, you guys, she's pretty sure that that was one of the guards that made them take their clothes off and walk naked back to the barracks. And so here she had been talking about forgiveness and she stood there and he came up and he said, I need you to forgive me. He's like, I came to Christ after the war and he's like, and I... I know God's forgiven me, and I'm so thankful for what you are saying because it is true. God has forgiven me, but I need you to forgive me. Will you forgive me? And she said everything in her wanted to just spit in his face. Everything in her just wanted to just scream out and be like, no, I cannot forgive you. But she sat there, and she's like, how can I go around and tell everyone else that they need to forgive and not forgive myself? How can I do that? And so she asked God, she's like, give me the strength to put my hand out. And she did, and she said, as soon as she did that, this wave washed over her, and she was like, I do forgive you. I genuinely forgive you. I am I'm thankful you're here. I'm thankful you came to the Lord. I'm thankful for this. And, and it, it changed everything for her. You guys, that's good. Were either of those easy? Not even a little. 
I pray that God doesn't put us in that extreme of situations, but can I just tell you, we have situations day by day that we can have a similar impact on people's lives if we're gutsy enough to follow the Holy Spirit instead of following the easy path of our flesh. Goodness isn't a feeling and goodness never changes. It's also a thing, you guys, that we can never get to on our own because it requires the work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We are to regard what is good in the sight of all men. What and how God does want you to show that, that, you know, show his good to the world around you, that's up to him. And that's a question you need to be asking. God, how do I do that? Because listen, what do we have in this world today? We have homosexuality. The Bible makes it clear that that is not good. The response from the church has been abysmal at best. It's been horrific. God does not hate fags. You want me to act out in the flesh? (laughs) Bring me somebody from Westboro Baptist. Woo! It's not right. God loves them. Did God start with you and start just railing on you for all of the stuff that you were doing wrong in your life? No. I would have been pounded into a small, tiny puddle of muck had he done that. I still would. No, what's he do? He says, I love you, son. I I love you. Do you know that? Do you know I love you so much that I sent my son to die for you? I love you. I love you. I love you. Now, let's let's talk about this thing. You keep smoking weed. Is that really adding anything to your life? It's not. How often do you spend being afraid when you're driving that you're going to get pulled over? A lot. How often are you doing five miles an hour because it feels like you're doing 100? A lot. Anybody that's ever smoked weed knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's stupid. God had to deal with that in my heart, slowly. He took it away from me, and it got me to a point where I'm like, whoa, this is so much better being free from this garbage. Right? Do you realize God wants to do that in the lives of all of us, regardless of what your sin is? And I'm not picking homosexuality as the one thing, or transgenderism, or whatever the flavor of the year is, or the month. I don't care. Sin is sin is sin. And guess what? We've got a lot of our own garbage to deal with here in this church too. You gossipers. You liars. Man, we're all jacked up people. And we're all in need of a savior. And he's so gracious to us. And he's so loving to us. And he works it out. And all he asks of us is say, keep coming to me. Keep giving me more of you. Keep opening your chest wide and saying, God, clean me out. Because I don't like this. And he does it. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful that I'm not the man I was when I first got saved. I'm also thankful, and I know you guys are too, that Lord willing, five years down the road, I'm going to be a much different man than I am today. Because God is working. Why do we look out into the world and be like, you need to fix everything? No, you don't. You need Jesus. He fixes things. 
Verse 18. We might not finish this chapter. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You guys, God knows we are sinful humans surrounded by what? Sinful humans. (laughs) He knows it. I love that this verse is in here. If it is at all possible, as much as depends on who? You. Not the other person. You. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Paul is not saying here, you guys, that some days because we woke up on the wrong side of the bed, we're given a pass to not live peaceably with everyone. Do you guys understand that? It's just not possible today, God. You don't understand. I literally slept with my neck like this. And so I'm not having it today. It's going to be a bad day. Nope, that's not what he's saying. Paul's not acting like that, right? That's not what he's getting at. What he's saying is this. He's recognizing that no matter how hard we try to live at peace with the world around us, there will be people that will not live at peace with us. We need to get that in our heads, you guys. He didn't just get done saying, repay no one evil for evil, then then be like, but if you're having a bad day, let it rip. No, that's not what he's saying. Keep the context. He's saying, here's the standard. You will never repay anyone evil for evil. You will bless people that are cursing you. You will love people in the love of Christ in spite of who they are and in spite of how they're acting towards you. You will love others in spite of who they're acting like at the moment because you know, and I know, that God wants them to come to him. That's what he's saying. And then he says, man, as much as you can, live at peace. Can I tell you something? Westboro Baptist is not doing their best with this verse. Putting up signs that point out sins of others and being like, you guys stink and we're great is not living at peace at all. It's causing turmoil and, and, and conflict, isn't it? Amen. Christians, that's not what we're called to. Right. We're called to live at peace as much as we can. That doesn't mean ignoring sin. But can I tell you something, you guys? I've talked to a lot of people living in a lot of crazy lifestyles that I would definitely say the Bible qualifies as sin. And I've had great conversations with them. Do you know why? Because I spent a couple weeks with them just hanging out and having some coffee. Just talking about anything and everything from the weather to whatever. And eventually it came around to a place where they were like, you know, this whole thing of specifically, I'm not picking on homosexuality, but I'll tell you, I have a lot of friends that are homosexual and they'll say to me after a few weeks when we first met and we were hanging out together, they were like, is you got like, you think homosexuality is wrong. I'm like, absolutely. I do. The Bible tells me it is. It doesn't actually make any, you know, sense in any possible way, physically or otherwise. Why? I mean, you're never going to have a baby that way. That's just not possible. And so I'm like, in a lot of ways, it doesn't make sense to me, but biblically is the most key important point, and that is this. It is not right. And guess what else is wrong? Having sex before you're married. So if you're here today and you're dating each other, let me tell you something. Don't think you're getting off the hook either, friends. You're wrong. But I don't start off there. When I'm, let's, let's change it to that. When I meet with a couple, and I'm like, hey, man, you guys keeping it clean? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, okay, that's not good. But I don't sit there and be like, you guys stink. Get away from me, you heathens. It's by God's grace that I didn't get every girl pregnant in high school. It's by God's grace, you guys, that I did not deserve 
So I'm not ever coming to people and being like, you guys, oh my gosh, let me just pour out all of my perfection upon you. No, I'm like, I'm jacked up. I know right where you are because I've been there, but can I tell you there's a better way? Save it. Because when you get into the marriage bed, you can do whatever you want. Have a blast. Until then, chill. It's not for you. It's not right. You guys, when we live this way, when we do our best, to try to live at peace, there will be people that are just going to hate us because we follow Jesus. And maybe hate's a little bit too strong of a word. They're going to strongly disdain us. They're going to not like us very much. They're going to think we're annoying sometimes. They're going to think we're like poindexters and we're always trying to do the right thing. That's how people sometimes think of Christians. And sometimes Christians, we don't do the greatest job of showing any them what God's supposed to be doing because we're like, oh, yes, you're wrong and I'm right up. <laughs> And it's so annoying when people act like that. But you guys, here's the truth. There's gonna be times when you're swimming against the current of the world around you because you're doing your best to honor God that the way the world is heading is gonna be this. It's gonna be backwards choices to them. They're gonna be like, why would you do it that way? Listen, everyone else here is sloughing off because it's Friday. Why are you working so hard at work? Because I'm not doing my work for my boss. I'm doing my work for the Lord. right? That's going to tick people off. They're not going to like it. You guys, can I just say the way we're heading in this world right now isn't progressive. It's not. It's regressive. Do you understand that Roman culture was the most progressive culture of its day? You had a wife, you had a mistress, and you had a 14-year-old boy on the side. That was very normal in Rome. We're not progressive. We're not cool. We're not new and novel. We're going backwards. (laughs) You guys, this is the way things are. And can I just, I, I need you to get your head around that because what's the name of this book that we're reading? Romans. Who was it written to? Christians in Rome. Christians that were walking through that very stuff. So we can't look at our world around us today and be like, but, but things are different, Pastor. It's so hard now. It's no harder than it was then. It's no different. We're not new, you guys. They're, the Bible tells us. The Bible's actually smart. They know what they're talking about. The Bible, Solomon, right? He said what? There's nothing new under the sun. There's not anything new under the sun. Instead of the temple of Diana that you would go up and have sex with a man or a woman, you can choose. You can even switch it up and do both. You can do whatever you want, whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Everything's good. It's all good. Instead of that, we have the internet and pornography. Instead of that, we have, you can be whatever sex you want. Now we have the surgical ability to make that change. Nothing is new, you guys. The call is still the same, Christian. The call is still the same. The same decisions that they were having to make as Christians in Rome, you guys, to literally swim against the flow are choices that they have to make or that we have to make. They were going backwards in comparison to where the world was going. 
As Christians, that's the way it's going to feel to us. It's going to look to everyone around us like, you're not very progressive. You're not leaning into this at all, are you? No, I'm not. I'm standing on a rock (laughs) that's been around a whole lot longer. You guys, here's the truth. There's going to be times in your life that you just can't live at peace with the world around you. That's a fact. You shouldn't be aiming at them. You shouldn't be like looking for opportunities to do it. But there's going to be times. What if your boss tells you to go shred a bunch of documents, financial documents specifically, because he's in trouble? (laughs) Do you listen to him? No. You do what God tells you to do. You drag it out into the light. What if someone says, man, you need to agree with my lifestyle because everyone else is? What do you say to that? You say, no, I don't agree with your lifestyle. I love you. I love you dearly, and I know that God loves you dearly, but no, I cannot say I agree with your lifestyle. There are times in our lives when we're just not going to be able to live at peace. But it doesn't mean we need to be the jerks that are out there trying to cause havoc and cause chaos. We strive for peace, you guys. We don't invite chaos and division, especially when there's really no need for it most of the time, is there? Do you realize how different of a conversation it is when you go to a coffee shop and you sit down? I have a guy that um, harasses me (laughs) from time to time in uh, the Starbucks at, in Rochester, and he's an atheist, and he was his, his son, pastor of a, son of a pastor, and he's an atheist, and every time I'm in there studying, you guys, he always comes up and he wants to just fight. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to fight. I'm like, let's talk about Jesus. Okay, let's talk about Jesus. And then he starts telling me all the reasons Jesus isn't real. And then I'm like, man, Jesus is everything, man. I'm like, if Jesus isn't real and you're right, then I'm just going to end it. Why don't you? Because what's the point? And he's like, but, 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 but there's more to, yeah, you're right. There is more to live for. You see that. What is that in you that, that is that? Because it's not this world. This world sucks. It's more. There's something more. Get a hold of it. Think on it. Don't be so smart in your own eyes, dude. How do I say that to him? Hey, man, think it through. I don't yell at him. He does the yelling. I love him. I love him enough that every time he comes up to argue, yes, I roll my eyes sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man, I, just, I need study. But I also am super appreciative that he never stops talking because that's one more opportunity for me to tell him about Jesus. You guys, we don't need to engage in arguments on social media that invite chaos and division. We don't need to share our political views with everyone. Nobody cares. They have their own. The truth is, you guys, I'll say it again like I always do. We have not had a good president since JFK and Ronald Reagan. Why do I pick a Democrat and a Republican? Because that's why. (laughs) I'll be honest with you guys, and this is my prayer for you. I I pray very hard about who I'm going to vote for, and then I vote for who sucks least. 
I am saying that with a very straight face. That is not going to save us. I don't serve our president, by the way. I serve a king and a kingdom. I serve Jesus Christ. That's where I'm putting my hope. Yes, we should vote. Yes, it's okay to have a political thought. It's just think it yourself and go vote for it. Because all you're doing is causing division so often. You guys, we as a Christian can walk through this world being friends and neighbors with people that we disagree with in many, many ways, can't we? Do you realize how much that flies in the face of where we're at in this country right now? People can't agree on anything. Anything. Like anything. Like whether Coke or Pepsi is better. It's obviously Coke. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of stupid, isn't it? But it's, it's that ridiculous on a level, isn't it? People can't agree on anything. God's telling us to live at peace as much as we can with other people. If they want to drink a Pepsi, let them be heathens. It's no big deal. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If people want to vote for the opposite side of the aisle than you, can I just be real with you, you guys? Pray hard that God gets a hold of them. And also, can I just encourage you? What does the Bible tell us? Pray for your leader. And I don't give a hoot which side of the aisle that person's on. Pray for them. Pray for them. They need your prayers. Living at peace with them and praying for your neighbor to come to Jesus is an awesome way to live. And as the Lord leads you guys, we get to have friendly conversation about how good God is. We get to show them how good God is by the way we're living our lives. You guys, we have an opportunity to live drastically different than the world around us. We have an opportunity to engage with people in a way that they're like, I want to know more about what your deal is. And sadly, too often, what do we show them? We show them all the things we disagree on. We get to a point with them or they get to a point with us where they avoid talking to us at all because they're like, oh my gosh, he's gonna just, just slam it down my throat, everything that this person thinks. They know that you think that they're an idiot heathen. I don't wanna be a church like that, you guys. I don't see that in the Bible. Like, Really? Did Jesus live that way? No. He hung out with the idiot heathens. He hung out with the people that the religious people of the day said, you are an idiot and you're a heathen. And I can't believe that you would ever even just even bother saying the name of God because how dare you? Who do you think you are, you tax collector? Who do you think you are, you prostitute? Jesus was like, come hang out. Come hang out. He showed them, you guys. He, had, he showed them what? What did he show them? A perfect life. He showed them perfect love. He showed them and talked to them about a perfect and loving father. He lived in a way that drew the unlovable into a relationship with God. We're called to do the hard thing, you guys, not the worldly thing. We're going to finish it up. Ready? Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. We're gonna stop there for a second. Here's the truth. These verses really chafe against the way we constantly see the world living, the way we want to live, doesn't it? These verses chafe against us as, as humans because we're like, oh, really? <clears throat> and I'll tell you this. Did you guys ever hear this verse before? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. And then in this last part, for in doing so, what? You'll heap coals of fire on their head. That's like a great hardcore song. <laughs> yeah! That is not what that means. It's the fleshly side of us. It's like, yeah, take it, more. God tells us, you guys, there's nothing wrong. Can I tell you something? There's nothing wrong with desiring justice in this world. We're screaming out for justice in this world. There's so much injustice, right? Is that a word? Unjust? Unjustness? Injustice? Thank you. What was the word again? Injustice. <laughs> you guys, there's a lot in this world that is not just. God tells us, you guys, that it's his job to bring the justice. It isn't something that we're called to accomplish here on this earth. It's his job. He's the one that's going to deal with it. Can I tell you... There's no better example that I can think of about this section of scripture than David and Saul. You guys know that story? David, anointed as king. How long before? Years before Saul gave up the throne. Saul got so ticked off that he started chasing David around and it was like this crazy cat and mouse game. And at least two times in scripture, we're told that David had a clear and clean opportunity. One time is kind of funny because it says that Saul was making water. What does that mean? He was leaning against a cave wall, taking a leak. That's what it means. Pretty vulnerable. Think about it. He's in a robe. <laughs> He's going to the bathroom. I'm not trying to be gross. What am I saying? If you want to kill somebody... Take them out then. They're not going to see it coming. They're too busy doing other things. And yet, what did David do? He went up and he cut off the end of, their ro of his robe. He just snipped off the end of his robe. Why? So that he could go later and be like, Saul, I could have taken you out, dude. Why don't you give up? Why don't you submit to what God's told you and told me? And instead, what did Saul do? He thinks, David, whew, now you're dead. I'm going to keep chasing you. David could have killed Saul. God had already promised him the throne, but he would not take justice into his own hands. He refused to, even though those around him thought David was a fool for not just ending his life. David lived these verses out, you guys. He walked it out, man. He just walked it out. Like, it's not my job to remove the king from his throne. That's God's job. I know I'm supposed to be king. God's anointed me. I'm walking in that promise, but it's not going to happen until God says it's supposed to happen. I'm not going to bring it about early. But before we go too far, let's not put David on a pedestal. You guys know I like to do that. Remember this, how unjust was it that David took Bathsheba up into his room, had sex with her, got her pregnant, and then to do one more injustice, injustice. <laughs> To do one more injustice, what did he do? He sent 
her husband, Uriah, to the front lines to basically be murdered by the military. So David was screwed up too. David did screwed up things. He did unjust things. But can we see, you guys, the clear distinction between what is good in regard to justice and what is evil in regards to justice? Do you understand what I'm getting at here? We see that in the life of David. He did great with Saul. He waited until God did what he wanted to do with Saul, but he didn't do so good the next time around. And that's the way it is for us. But God, you guys, is he's the one that's going to avenge all the injustice in this world, and there is plenty of it. And can I just give you a clue? You guys, here in America, we don't even understand a small sliver of the injustice that takes place all over the world and is being poured out daily on Christians. If you've never been on a mission trip, I would encourage you, go to the DR next year. Go, check it out. You wanna see injustice? You wanna see men taking advantage of other people in a sugarcane field by using them as slave labor? You wanna see these things? You wanna pray that God comes back and restores justice to this world? Go somewhere else. We have a lot of injustice here. I'm not acting like we don't, but I'm just saying we don't understand. Really, we don't. And it's by God's grace that we don't. But God will avenge. It's his job to deal with it. We are called to bless those who curse us. We are called to ask God to use us to be a blessing to those around us, regardless of how they're treating us. Verse 20, you guys, specifically is a reference to 2 Kings 6.22 for you note takers. And can I just recommend something this week? We are totally out of time and I was never gonna do it anyway. But go back and read 2 Kings chapter 6 through 7 to get a picture of this whole scene of just what was going on there. So go back and read that, 2 Kings chapter 6 through 7. And you'll see that even when we do our best to bless those who hate us, sometimes it's hard to walk through. But God is always always going to be the one that brings the justice, even if it's not how we expected it. Now, too many people take this particular little verse and they think, man, I'm going to heap coals on their head. It's going to give them pain and hurt and just, yeah, I'm going to pour out all this pain on them, God. And you're just, you're going to do it through me because I'm going to just bless them in the process. <clears throat> and it's totally not getting it, man. What was a burning coal in those times, you guys? Life. A burning coal meant fire. What did fire mean? Food, warmth, it meant everything. Imagine being in the middle of the woods in the pouring rain and you can't get a fire going and you know that the evening you might end up getting hypothermia and not waking up in the morning and then someone comes over and says, here's a coal. Here's a coal, get it started. Come on, let's go. Let's get this fire going. That's the point it's making. Bless them. Give them life. Put coals on their heads so that they're like, why would he do this for me? Why would she bless me here? Because I'm being a total jerk to her. Why would she be so nice to me? Why would she do this? Why would she bring me a coffee when I just spat in hers? Why would she do this? That's the point he's making, you guys, that we get an opportunity to literally put coals of fire on their head, to, to pour life into them, to keep them warm at night, to give them the ability to eat food, it was everything. A burning coal from your burning fire 
to a person that doesn't have any fire is the most kindest and gracious thing you could ever do. Christian, you have a fire inside of you called the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that telling others about who Jesus is and living a life that talks about him is the kindest and most gracious thing you can do to a dead and dying world that is walking around in the cold and trying to find any type of coal from any type of thing? They're walking around to the dead fires of alcoholism or pornography or drug addiction or pride or you know their job and just diving into all those things. And they're all dead fires. There's no coals there. None of that is gonna bring any life to them at all. And you're like, here's some life. Let me give you some real life. You guys, Paul's saying that we do the complete opposite of what they would do to us. We give them life even when they're giving us death. I want that to be us, because you know what? You want to see your life have an impact for God in the kingdom of God? Get a hold of this. Get a hold of it. Live differently. Walk it out. You will not ever do it on your own. This is not something that you wake up and you're like, yeah, God, I'm going to go rock it for you today. You're going to fall flat on your freaking face today is what you're going to do. Do you know what you do? You go to God and you get in his word and you say, oh God, help me. Help me, Lord. I need you, man. I need you, God. I need you day by day. I need you minute by minute. God, I need you. Will you help me? God, will you keep my mouth shut when it's supposed to be shut? Lord, would you help me to speak life into the life of others even when they're cursing me? God, will you give me the ability to do the things that you've called me to do, that your word tells me to do, God, because I can't do it on my own. I promise you, you guys, you will see a different life and it will be a difficult life and it will be a hard life. But I can tell you this, it's way better than continuing to walk in the cowardly way that we all walk in if we're walking in the world. Last verse, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Be overcomers. Live differently. No matter what's thrown at you, let love, let God's love be the thing that defines your life. Let people know who you're about and what you're about by the way you live and by the way you speak. Let's go wake up the dead, you guys. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your time today, Lord, for us to just dig into your word. Lord, I don't know where everybody's at with you today. Lord, I pray, Father, if there be anyone here that doesn't know you, God, that they would understand that this is the most important decision in the entirety of this world, God, who you are, Jesus. Because, Lord, you are either a liar and a lunatic, you are a complete and utter falsehood, Lord, or you are the Lord, as you said you were. And, God, I believe wholeheartedly you are the Lord. So, God, I pray, Father, if there be anyone here today that doesn't know you, God, that they would ask questions, God, that they would not shy away or walk away from here the same way they walked in. And, God, now I'm praying, Father, for this church body and, Lord, for people that call this church home. And, Lord, I am not any better. I lump myself in here when I say this, Lord. I'm asking you, get a hold of our dirty, rotten hearts. God, we want, I want, Lord, we, we desire, Lord, to see your kingdom expand, God, to watch uh, people come to you in droves, God. I want another revival, God. I want to see you begin to change the lives of those around us, God, but I know that starts with you changing this life, God. 
changing my life, Lord, for us as a church, Lord, to be a church that says, man, we want more of you, God, and we want to actually take your word seriously, and we want to actually start practicing the things that you're giving us to practice, God. And Lord, we can't do that without you because we just can't. And you know that, God. And so, God, would you move in our hearts? God, would you help us, Father, to love others well? And God, that means speaking the truth in love sometimes, God. It means calling garbage out when it needs called out. But Father, give us wisdom and discernment to know when that is. And Lord, that is not the start of a conversation, God. That's somewhere in the, in the conversation. Father, help us, teach us what it looks like to walk with you. Jesus, give us insight, Lord, from your gospels of what it looked like when you and Zacchaeus broke bread together and hung out, God. Did, it just doesn't seem like you started off with being like, you suck and this is why. God, it seems so much more that you sat down and you were like, let's eat, let's talk. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house to eat with you. Yeah, I know who you are, Zacchaeus. You know who you are too. Can I tell you a better way? God, I want to see people changed. I want to see this area changed for you. I want to see, Lord, a world. I want to see our country, God. Lord, not going back to some weird 1950s version of us. Lord, I don't think that's right. I think they had just as many problems there. They just do a better job covering them up, God. I want the world you have for us now, ugly, messy, and dirty, God, and I want you to begin to clean it up and to work it out and to change it, God. God, give us a courage to walk through the mess. And Lord, if need be, God, give us courage to walk through the muck and the mire uphill against the current. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would never be walking against the current unless you're calling us to. Lord, I pray, Father, instead that we would be coming alongside others around us, our neighbors, our friends, those that aren't friends yet, Lord, but that we have an opportunity to befriend just by having a conversation with them. God, that we would be people that show a different way of living. Open our eyes, help us, God. We need you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.